This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. The sign over the porch of the purple Victorian cottage is faded, and Amelia nearly walks past it. Island Books. Alice Island's exclusive provider of fine literary content since 1999. No man is an island. Every book is a world. Inside, a teenager minds the till while reading the new Alice Monroe collection. Oh, how is that one? Amelia asks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of By the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and with me, as always, uh, my fellow lover of books, Sharmila Ganesan. Very appropriate. Thank you. Uh, today is uh, yet another installment of our monthly book club, and we've got a really fun one to discuss today. We're joined by digital creator and social media influencer, Satya Gandhi, who also recommended the book. Satya, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And together, we're going to be talking about Gabrielle Zevin's The Storied Life of A.J. Fikri, um, which I have to say that w- uh, it wasn't a book that I was familiar with. And I'm so happy I read it. It was like a, it was a wonderful, um, it felt like a wonderful interlude. Um, so I'll start there. But firstly, um, Satya, why did you want to read this book together? Okay, I have read this book a couple of years back. And uh, even then, it felt like a warm hug and I always believe that uh, the, the time period when we read a book uh, makes uh, I mean brings a lot of impact in our life the book could be great but let's say the time isn't so great the impact isn't similar but when I read this book it felt like you know a hallmark movie it, it, it felt so good um, it, it was so warm and you grow along with the character and I would like to revisit that. So that's why I recommended this title. You're absolutely right, you know. So um, in a weird way, and this is something that they even mentioned in the book, that a book sort of, you have to read the book at the right time. I actually had this book for a good 10 years or, or from the time it came out. Um, and I just never read it. It was the kind of book that I always thought I would like because it's a book about books and a book about readers. But it sat on my shelf for years and I just never got to it until you suggested we should do it. And I'm so glad because I really think this, the year we've had um, the separation from people, books having been such great company, all of these fed into just how much I enjoyed reading the book. And, I, and that describing it as a warm hug, I think is absolutely appropriate. Yes, I mean, there's no crazy, I mean, there are crazy moments in it, but um, I, I can overcome all that with all the crazy things that are happening in our life today. This felt really nice and, you know, uh, just thinking to the story, growing along the character. Uh, what, whatever you said was correct. Yes, this is the perfect year to read this book. <laughs> So we've been talking about how, you know, it's a book about books, um, it's it's a warm hug, and I think all those things are true. So it does, I don't quite know how to describe it. Um, it's sort of a slice of life thing, right? So it looks at um, a bookseller, AJ Fikri, who is, when we meet him, a pretty newly widowed man um, who's trying his best really not to sink into like absolute bitterness and dejection. Um, He meets Amelia Lohman, who is a representative from a publishing house there to kind of sell him the books that they have available. He's known to be very discerning. And um, at first, it looks as if it's going to be that kind of meet cute. But then 
out of nowhere, literally, um, a baby is dropped into the mix. Um, and it's a baby literally that, into the bookstore. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's a baby that AJ finds himself adopting. And of course, um, even though he has a bad initial interaction with Amelia, that's not where it stays. And so the book is really about um, the love of reading, but it's also about parenting. It's also about falling in love. Um, it's it's about all these different things. And I thought it was really interesting to see how the book manages uh, the shifts in tone and the different ways, um, the different challenges that the characters go through. I think sometimes there is a little bit of a challenge when it comes to doing books about books, right? Because you can very often fall into seeming snobby or or seeming a little bit like, well, if you don't recognize these titles and authors I'm talking about, (laughs) then are you even really a reader? But this book manages to do that manages to imbue that love of reading, uh, but in a really human way, like people read what they want to read, they get joy out of the things they read. But it's not at the expense of the human story that it's telling. So even if you don't actually enjoy books very much, I think if you pick this up just as a great story, you'd have a great time reading it. Exactly. To me, it felt like, because I I was very um, close to AJ Fikri in this manner, and the sense of it reminded me a lot of um, Ebenezer Scrooge, where he was a little uh, grumpy. He wasn't very happy about uh, his place at the life at the moment and when that little girl Maya came in kind of changed things up for him like yes like what Lynn mentioned earlier it felt like it was going to a different direction but when this little girl was introduced it's it's a whole other tone to the book and you learn a lot alongside this character which is why I feel even uh, after a couple of years after so many books uh, I felt like uh, this is still very relatable and very important. I was curious, uh, before we start talking about the the characters, because I think the characters are really the heart of the book, um, but before we start talking about them, I was curious about how you both felt about the very slight but ever-present mystery suspense element that the book also has. Because, um, you know, of course, when you introduce a baby um, into <laughs> like an, a baby of unknown provenance, you know, you're immediately introducing a mystery. There's a central mystery about um, who did this, who, who are the uh, the child's parents, you know, what is going on here. And I don't want to give too much away, but the structure of the book also um, kind of sets up this idea of why aren't certain people having certain conversations or, you know, why, like, are, are you worried that you might not be around to have those conversations, those kinds of things. Um, how did you both feel about the the suspense mystery element? So one of the strengths of this book for me is the fact that everything about it is so gentle. The writing is very gentle. The tone it takes is very matter of fact and very gentle. And even the mystery and and there are, if without giving too much away, there's the big mystery of where the baby came from and who she is. But there's also a sort of a, a other mystery that sort of happens along the way. Um, And I think this gentle approach kind of almost makes you forget that there is this mystery and this unanswered question. And I quite enjoyed that. I liked that um, while this is a huge, crazy thing at the heart of the book, it doesn't shove it in your face. You don't you kind of don't think about it for chapters on end. And that's fine. It's a you called it slice of life at right at the start of the show. And I think even the mystery is treated like that. And it all folds in so well into the narrative. And usually when um, I, 
I, for one, would like a progress in a book. Like, you know, there must be something dramatic. You know, that's how stories usually are uh, like. Uh, but particularly in this book, uh, the mystery didn't bother me as much because I was so invested in AJ Fikri and the little girl's life. Like, how are they going to make this happen? Uh, how is this going to change him? So, yeah, the mystery suspense uh, thing didn't really bother me much. I have to say that. <laughs> So that brings us, I think, to the character, right? Um, I, I I was thinking what it is that made A.J. Fikri so appealing because um, Ebenezer Scrooge is a great comparison and I think that kind of character is always around, right? This idea of like a, like a Scroogey or crotchety person who has withdrawn from society. Um, but I think that what made, for me at least, what made A.J. really work is that even though it looked for a while like it was going to be a stereotype, it never became a stereotype. You know, he was always, um, there was always something a little bit more or the way he was written was so empathetic that it didn't really feel as if, um, it didn't really feel as if he was only a stereotype, only a grumpy man who needed the love of a good woman or a, you know, a good baby <laughs> to, to bring him out. Yes, I agree. I agree that uh, AJ Fikri, I'm very pleased to see that he wasn't fit, uh, fitted into that stereotype although in the beginning that's the kind of uh, aura I picked up from this particular character I'm just uh, very glad that you know he uh, kind of evolved along uh, that little girl along the bookstore along uh, Amelia and many other characters um, but as you said uh, the warmth um, that was written into his character like he was written in such a way where uh, he, we know that he's going to make it. Uh, he's going to be such a nice person and uh, or, or a person who's going to learn his lesson. So, yeah, I think um, that, that's what uh, most appealing about AJ Fikri. I think um, the one thing we didn't mention is actually the structure, right? And that feeds a lot into why we end up liking AJ Fikri very, very early on because the each chapter is kind of preceded by these excerpts on short stories. So, But they're not excerpts of short stories. They're actually AJ's sort of mini review, mini synopsis of um, short stories that he enjoys. And they're written from his point of view in his tone. And I think because of those, even when he's objectively being difficult or a little unlikable or crotchety, you already warm up to him because you feel like you know this person and you know where that crotchetiness is coming from. So we're talking today about the storied life of AJ Fikri by Gabrielle Zevin. It is our monthly book club. Uh, we're joined by Satya Kandi, who is a digital creator and social media influencer to just, you know, she, she, Satya recommended the book um, and she's also joined us to talk about why it's a good read. We'd like to know if this is something that you've actually picked up. Uh, do you also enjoy books about books, books about readers? Um, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and and um, if you'd like, you can write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. We're joined today by digital creator Satya Kandi, who recommended um, this month's book club book, and that is The Storied Life of AJ Fikri by Gabrielle Zevin. So um, we ended just now by talking about the structure. Uh, I wanted to talk about the passage of time because it is a pretty quick book to read. It's not very thick, um, and yet it actually takes us over... 
a decade, uh, I think a little more than a decade of, of time in these characters' lives. And um, I really... I really loved it. I, I was surprised when I realized how much time we were actually going to go through. Um, and I was also, I thought that Gabrielle Zevin managed a very neat thing in terms of writing this amount of time while making us feel like we're not being shortchanged. I was completely shocked. You know, honestly, I thought, I mean, on, on the one hand, the title kind of gives it away, right? The storied life of AJ Figri. So you kind of feel like you're going to get an entire breadth of someone's life. On the other hand, when you're reading each chapter, the pace feels so languid and kind of um, still in a way that you're like, what is going to be next? And then, and then a chapter later, you're six years ahead or five years ahead technically on paper, this should feel like it's moving too fast, that it's not giving you enough time with the characters. But despite all of that, the writing manages to somehow um, not feel the need to dive so deep into every character, but at the same time still keeps you really invested and not just in AJ Fikri. I think um, there are at least five characters that the story sort of revolves around and all of them are equally compelling right from the time you meet them to the end of the book. That's true. And um, reading to me, uh, in general, I have issues with pace. If it's too slow paced, I, I think I wouldn't find the motivation to continue the book. I think one of the biggest uh, appeal to this book was the pace itself. Like how you guys mentioned that there's like a six years gap. You kind of uh, know how, I mean, you kind of follow them uh, on their life and grow up with them. And at the same time, uh, you are thoroughly involved in uh, whatever they do. You don't feel missed out. And I think it's incredible to be able to write with such, um, uh, in such a way to keep us engaged. But at the same time, uh, not to bore us. <laughs> uh, kudos, kudos to Gabriel for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh the, and the other part of that in terms of the passage of time is we know it because Maya's growing up. So so that's very clear. Every time you meet her, she's at a, a different point in her schooling life. Uh, but the other thing is also that AJ and Amelia's relationship kind of deepens. And mm. um, I wanted to talk about Amelia for a bit because she we don't get that much point of view um, chapters from her, right? It's, it's mostly AJ's story to tell. Um, but she, again... I, and I think this goes back to, I sound like a broken record, but um, I think that she also could have been such a stereotype. You know, she's she's very cute. She dresses in a quirky way. She uh, loves books to such a degree. Uh, she loves her job to such a degree. And she could very well have fallen into sort of a ditzy, you know, mid-30s looking for romance kind of female stereotype. And... And it's very neatly sidestepped, I think, by making her a person of, again, of, of depth and warmth. Um, and to do that, again, in very few chapters is an interesting thing. Very few chapters and very few conversations. Um, there's a particular scene that uh, AJ and Amelia um, have when they go to a restaurant to have a meal. And there's something about the way the conversation is written that feels both real, very real, but also in a way like not real. They, it reads like someone's memory of a conversation, like um, you've picked out the highlights of something someone said and then they're, they're presenting it to you. Um, 
on paper, I would have hated this. I would have thought it felt like a cheat. I would have thought that, um, oh, this doesn't seem real at all. No one talks like this. But something about the way Gabriel uh, Gabriel Zevin seems to love these characters and know these characters. It's like she knows who these people are. Uh, and you know them too. Uh, you They don't read like stereotypes. They read like full, complete people that you can recognize. Yeah, I have to say that um, reading this book at... Um, I think I read it when I was in my 20s. Right now, I'm in my mid-30s. It feels very different. The sense of, I loved um, Amelia back then because, you know, the whole, um, like what, I, we don't, un- to me, I don't understand stereotypes very well back then. You know, it felt like a really nice movie. Like I mentioned earlier, it was, to me, it was a hallmark movie. Uh, boy meets girl, boy is in agony, girls come to save him, then there's a mini girl to save that boy, you know. It felt really good. And when I revisit that chapter, the, the particular chapter, I thought it was very cute, the whole banter thing. And I agree, she could have used, um, she could have um, had more conversation, more point of view from her perspective so that we can learn more about her. Yes, it's good. I mean, uh, in entirety, this book is amazing. But um, like what, what Lynn mentioned earlier, we do uh, we didn't get a lot from Amelia. Um, and as, as a 30-year-old, uh, I, I would prefer to read her perspective a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that was something... I mean, I... I enjoyed what I got of her, but I think that that was it. Because I enjoyed what I got of her, I thought, oh, we could have had more. You know, mm. she's a really interesting person. And she also has, uh, she's also the introducer of the other element of the book because uh, a book about books, also a book about book selling, a book about um, introducing books to people, which is why I, I love that we're actually talking about it in the context of it being introduced to us and as a book club. But um, Amelia represents the the other side of the book business. And as a reader and somebody who um, used to think I wanted to work in publishing, I really enjoyed um, getting that insight into what it would have been like working for a publisher, um, because I think Gabrielle Zevin did actually do that. that that's her background. Um, but also of being a bookseller, which is also something that I thought I wanted to do while I was growing up. I think everything about this book is really, um, if you were a book nerd growing up, uh, if you dreamt of either being, um, either owning a bookstore or working in a bookstore or working for a publishing company or being, a, um, you know, representing authors, all of this is sort of, you live vicariously through those dreams. The only people who don't fare that well are actually authors themselves who are who are not really depicted in the best light. And I found that really funny. Um, I also found that certain things that she makes fun of are things that uh, the, the writer makes fun of. I actually think that she's making fun of herself. So AJ Fikri famously, um, you know, seems to hate YA. Gabriel Zevin actually started off as a YA writer. He talks about, I think at one point, um, someone puts down the idea of people writing after you've died or being told from the point of view of a dead person. Again, something she's done in her own books as well. So I found those things quite clever and sort of a, a really wink wink uh, with the reader that I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, coming back to um, what you guys mentioned, uh, you know, when you're a book lover, you at some point of your life, you would have want, wanted to work in a bookstore or to sell books or to be in the publishing house or something like that. I actually worked in a bookstore and... Oh, wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow! It's 
so different than what I thought. Uh, and um, and I could resonate very well with Amelia and uh, the kind of point of uh, the, the kind of uh, uh, ideas that she brought in because it's not uh, really the same when you are reading, you know, like lounging in your um, chair, having a sip of tea, and as you turn your pages, it's it's not exactly the same as when you're working uh, to sort the books out to put it out for sale. It's so different. <laughs> The whole experience is so different. And um, yeah, I appreciate all uh, honesty or the kind of honesty they try to portray in this book. Uh, it's interesting. And as, uh, yes, I'm going to sound like a broken record too because uh, I have read this twice at two different ages. This feels very different at 20s and at 30s. <laughs> in closing... I wanted to know how we feel about the movie. Um, you know, so so it's being adapted, right, um, into a film. And I I have to say that I think it's quite a cinematic book um, because AJ's bookstore is on a, a little island. You know, you have to take a ferry out there. I'm imagining AJ's... Notting Hill, but in like Notting a Massachusetts Hill. island. <laughs> That's it. Um, so... I, I think that the setting of the book is really great. What I'm hoping they get right is the uh, the stuff that we've been talking about, the characterization and the passage of time. And, you know, I, I just hope that they land that. I'm wondering how they're going to manage the bookishness because most of the time when movies try to depict reading or a connection to books, it always comes off slightly odd. And because this book relies so much on quotes and, and excerpts and uh, people reading and talking about books, it's not like it can't be done, but I'd be interested to see. And I hope it's done well because it's such a big part of the story. Yeah, I, I hope I won't wind up feeling disappointed as well. I'll be very excited. As usual, any books that are being made into movies, we'll be very excited. And at the end of the day, we'll be like, oh, the book is better. This is going to happen. <laughs> and <laughs> But, you know, I'm still very excited. I hope uh, they could stay true to uh, important parts of the book. I'm sure they can't bring everything into the movie. But, you know, what made us feel warm inside? I hope I could see that on screen as well. Satya, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dean and Sharmila. You just heard there from Satya Kandi, digital creator, social media influencer and recommender actually of this month's book for our book club, uh, which is Gabrielle Zevin's The Storied Life of AJ Fikri. Um, we'd like to know if this is something you've read, um, if you enjoy books that are about the love of reading in some ways, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and of course, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes. Um, so, of course, earlier we were talking about the storied life of AJ Fikri, and that had me thinking about books like these, because um, I don't know if our conversation fully captured it, but it's very, very hard to categorize. I was thinking about it, like if I recommended this book to somebody, how would I describe it? And, um, and then I just... I thought we could have a little chat about the, I guess, importance as well as the drawbacks of being able to very clearly delineate genres when it comes to books. 
you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this in the context of storied life of AJ Fikri. Um, I mentioned earlier that it took me years to actually read it. And this weirdness about how to categorize it is partly at fault because the version I have is sort of bound in a cover that looks very fluffy and, and light and um, like it's it's either chiclet. Meanwhile, I've also read descriptions of it that sort of uh, touch on its whole like meta, like literary, like it's about life and a person changing. And so I think I was just very confused about what kind of book this was, which is weird because I actually don't like genre divisions. I don't like it when books are categorized by genre because they don't matter very much to me. So I think there is a line, though, in terms of how a book is marketed and who it's appealing to um, and what the book actually is about. Which is something that AJ Fikri itself touches on, um, you know, because there is a, a book in it which he kind of ignores as a bookseller at first and later comes back to. And um, part of it was because he didn't fully understand how it was sold to him. You know, it was sold as a memoir of an 80-year-old man who, you know, met his bride at a very late age and then she passed away shortly after. And again, when you hear something like that, you immediately put it into the category of inspirational autobiography. And and, and then you kind of know how to sell it. Um, and because he doesn't believe in that, he had decided he wasn't going to. And so that's the thing about genre, right? Um, it is exactly that. Because um, when I looked at it and I read the summary, like you, I didn't fully know what to expect. I think the first chapter also, because it starts with Amelia and it starts with Amelia pondering a series of recent bad dates, thinking about how old she is, thinking about where her life is headed. Um, and that immediately signals Bridget Jones, for better yes. or for worse. That, that's where you go. And again, when you think Bridget Jones, you immediately go, okay, so it's comedy chiclet, which is not this book. Um, and I think that for the longest time, what I was thinking about was the, the general aisle in a bookstore and how I think generally people struggle with that because when you have people coming in, um, obviously they stop at the bestsellers stand at the, at the front. That's why it's there. And then depending on their predilections, they wander off to mystery or they go look at horror or whatever. Um, and the general aisle is where you go when the book you were looking for hasn't been anywhere else. <laughs> and it's very odd. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know actually where it sits right now in the pantheon of book selling. And also, when does a book graduate, so to speak, from being in the general shelves to the classics shelf? Um, you know, does the author have to have been dead? Does it have to be in a literature syllabus? Uh, these things are so odd to parse. And a lot of it comes from, of course, a, a selling point of view and not so much a reading point of view. Um, but I think, unfortunately, also, readers are very often influenced and shaped by how they're sold something. So, um, I mean, the Harry Potter books are always used as the example of how they needed to make new covers so that adults would feel comfortable holding a book and, and you know, reading them in public. And so I think that when you take a book and you put it under something like literature versus, say, chiclet, um, people would feel in some sense, oh, perhaps I belong in this shelf, or Perhaps I wouldn't deign to read something that's on this shelf. And neither of those things are good things. No. Um, and also, it I think further, to go back to your point earlier, it further builds on uh, the premise of marketing and marketing accurately or inaccurately. Because ultimately, 
the way that books are marketed is the same as anything else. You're going to pluck out what you think is the most salient or most sellable point from the plot or from whatever it may be. And, you know, you go in with your elevator pitch. But the thing is, if you elevator pitch a book like A.J. Fikri, it is, yeah, a, a widowed bookseller finds meaning in life. Like, what do you do with that? Or widowed um, bookseller finds abandoned baby in his store. That's a different book. That's a different book. That that goes back to the mystery suspense yeah. element. Widowed bookseller falls in love with quirky young lady. Completely different <laughs> book. And so um, I, I think that perhaps, I don't know, I... I I'm thinking whether or not as readers, we need to have more openness and return to the general aisle um, or whether as booksellers, there's any real interest in that. I, I feel like um, perhaps and perhaps it's also down to online shopping and the fact that when you buy books online, they are neatly categorized and tagged and sorted in a very particular way for you to find and for um, sellers to be able to connect. Oh, you like this? You may also like this. Um, whereas a bookstore and the love of one is walking into it and seeing what you come out with. And that gets me thinking about an experience that I don't really get to have very much anymore, which is the secondhand bookstore or the bargain uh, the bargain bookstore, right? Where generally things are not really shelved in any particular order. And, and growing up, these used to be my favorite kind of stores because I walked in and I would go to a random shelf and you had no choice but to just pour through books and find something that appealed to you. Sometimes on the strength of just the cover, sometimes looking at the synopsis, sometimes a title, Um for no other reason than, hmm, this looks interesting. I think I'll check it out. And I think that that was actually a really good thing for a young reader. Uh, the power of, of course, sometimes you read things that are highly inappropriate for a child that age. And, you know, my parents really should have a little bit more oversight over what I read. But I think that that kind of discovery um, plays a large part in removing these artificial boundaries and sort of making you feel comfortable in any space of reading. You could read a Western one day and you could read a, a highbrow literary title the next day and not know the difference. And I think for a child, that's very important. Yes, and I do also think that that's an experience that's somewhat lost to us now, um, perhaps just because we're spoiled for choice or going back to we buy a lot online and, and that's what you lose out on. Do you think that your book browsing habits are going to, to change or may revert back? I think I miss, I really miss the secondhand bookstore experience. Um, one of the things I've, I've become quite a big fan of is, um, there's a, there's an online account called Chaplang Store, which I follow quite, um, avidly. I've bought a few things from them and they currently operate online and essentially they put up, um, just random titles that they have that are used books and that they have on sale. It kind of replicates that scenario in that I never know what's going to come up next. And if something catches my eye, you have to be one of the first ones to message them and say you want it. Um, I miss that. And I think I want to, I mean, once the pandemic is over, I think I want to make a point of going back and doing it. The other thing is this show lets me kind of do that in a small way because I can never really tell what book is going to come my way and what I'm going to read next. And I think that pushes me also to not just be sort of stuck in a loop of only reading the things I always read. I just miss bookstores. Um, yes. And uh, I think that I'm not alone in this as a reader in a pandemic. You know, um, bookstores have been quite slow to be allowed to reopen in the first place. And 
in general, there is something very specific about wandering in, um, if you can, talking to a purveyor, even if you can't talk to the bookstore seller, uh, the bookstore owner, um, it is still meaningful to be able to walk among books. And that's just something that I suddenly very badly miss, especially because this book um, highlights how important that actually is the ability to just wander around and look at something, find something that catches your eye, not wonder, hey, what genre is it? What type of book is this? Um, but yeah, let us know. I mean, uh, do you, are you a genre reader, right? Are you somebody who tends to read very much like mystery, horror, sci-fi, or are you a generalist? Do you read anything that comes your way? Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and write to us by the book at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.